I'm Laurie Mallon, and this is the Results Without Restriction podcast, the show where results have nothing to do with weight and everything to do with setting and reaching health and fitness goals that focus on what we're achieving and not what we're losing. We'll talk about deprogramming from diet culture and get expert advice on reclaiming your relationship with food and movement. Join me on this journey to get results without restriction. Welcome everyone. I am here with Carrie Jo Bradley, who is an ACE certified health coach and group fitness instructor, and she helps moms manage time and training so they can reach their athletic goals. Her journey from ordinary mom to hashtag bad mother, love that, inspires Carrie to help other women believe bigger for themselves. She lives in Vancouver, British Columbia with her husband and two girls. Welcome Carrie Jo. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So let's, let's just, we're going to dive right in. I want you to tell me a little bit about your background um, and what brought you to the place where you became a trainer and a health coach. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, I'll try and make it short. It's um, maybe long and winding how I got here, but um Let's see, I grew up in Montana in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so what I did for fun was run um, and, and got involved in cross country. And I really actually did not want to do it, but it was peer pressure. Some of my friends um, invited me to join the team. And so I did and um, just experienced uh, some amazing coaching and a coach that really helped me believe in myself, even though I felt like my talent was not great. And I, so I just continued uh, running uh, through college and I was the slowest one on the team, but I just loved the, that feeling of um, doing something good for my body. And um, I tell a story on my website that my, I had a college cross-country meet and my grandpa came to watch me and I was like probably the last one of the last people to cross the finish line and when I came up to him afterwards he said well that's okay Carrie you're you're good at other things and to me that just like it hurt so bad because it was like well you're you're not good enough you're not um at this and you can do other things um but I, I guess that just lit a fire in me that I wanted to um, prove him wrong that I could be good at this. And, and not that I had to be the best, but I wanted to be good at um, being an athlete. And um, I continued to run throughout my life, but not so much competitively. And then after giving birth, you know, I wanted to after having kids, I got into that, even though I was working, I was working part-time as a massage therapist, I felt like I really needed something to do for myself, just outside of changing diapers and getting groceries and cooking, and um, I wanted to work toward a goal, so I decided to run a half marathon and just accomplishing that goal gave me so much confidence in myself that that I didn't have before and 
I was involved in a stroller strides um, group, moms that got together and exercised with their strollers and a fellow mom said, let's, I, let's run up, let's do a half marathon up this mountain that's in our city at 14,000 foot mountain. And I was like, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. And but I thought about it. The more I thought about it, I was like, well, I'll give it a try. I'll train for it with her and it'll be a social thing. And, um, and so we did this race and we got to the, it took like five hours or something of <laughs> pure hell. But when I finished my, my daughter, she was four at the time, she said, mom, did you win? And I, I could confidently say I won because I finished the race. And um, at this point, unlike when I was running cross country, it was more about just the finishing, the, the completion of a goal um, that increased my confidence. And it applied to so many other parts of my life that I knew that if I could do that, then I could apply for a job that I didn't know if I would get, or I could stand up to somebody who um, I had conflict with, or um, just a myriad of different things like that. There is so much uh, research that backs up what you just said, that athletic achievement is such a confidence booster. I'll have to like dig and maybe I'll put it in the show notes here. Like so a couple of studies that have been done. I have a good friend who's a, um, she's a licensed social worker and her master's thesis was on um, building confidence through sports. So girls who do sports growing up have higher confidence and they've done all these studies. So yes, that totally backs up and you're, you're confirming like you had the same experience in that these athletic achievements and it, it, no, you didn't, you didn't come in first, but you did the thing that you set out to do, even though you had originally, you know, you had some doubts about it, you were intimidated by it, but you did it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. And and just crossing that finish line, and, and I'll I'll throw in my own experience. I, I, you know, my first running, <laughs> my first running race, I think I was in my 30s, and it was pure hell. It was like a three-mile race. <laughs> I hadn't trained for it, but crossing that finish line was was the 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 greatest feeling of my entire life. And I, I could not put into words like how excited I was to have accomplished this thing that I thought was going to kill me. Literally, I thought I was going to die. But, and it was ridiculous. But I was like, oh my gosh, that was so great. When can I do this again? Literally before I had crossed mm -hmm. the finish line, I was like, who signed me up for this? I am never doing this again. And something <laughs> magically happens when you cross that finish line that it mm -hmm. is transformative. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I, I am, I'm a big proponent of of signing up for races because it, it gives you a, a finish line of like a set point that you can train toward and it, it really motivates me but um, just in the last year with uh, COVID and not being able to go to the gym anymore when I was when my kids were younger I would take them to the gym with me because there was daycare and that's where I would get my workouts but with COVID and no more gym I've been working out on my own with the Peloton app and um, finally doing consistent strength training at home. And while that's not a finish line, uh, just that seeing the um, benefits of that consistent effort and like seeing the results just like of getting stronger is um, also contributed to an increase in confidence. Let me ask you this. So 
this brings you into your, uh, you know, after you've, you've had kids and now you're running half marathons, how, where did you go from there? How did you become, um, you know, a, a group fitness instructor and a health coach? What was the path mm -hmm. from to that point? I was, uh, when I, my kids were little, I was working as a massage therapist and in Colorado. And then in 2018, we moved to Canada to be close to my husband's parents and um, help take care of them in their aging years. And I, I think a lot no of longer... people, sorry, I think a lot of people wanted to move to Canada in 2018. Just going to go ahead yeah. and throw that out there, but okay, <laughs> sorry, side note. Yep, that, that was a factor. Uh, and so I couldn't practice massage anymore. And with the pandemic, uh, I just had to reevaluate my life and what I wanted to do with my career. And I've coached like cross country teams before, and uh, I've always been interested in health and fitness. So um, becoming a health coach just seemed like a natural fit. And when I went to massage school, I part of the training was personal. I became a personal trainer just to help my clients who were experiencing pain, help them learn strength moves to prevent them from injuring themselves. Uh, so that personal training certification, then when we moved to Canada, I uh, decided to add on group fitness and was teaching yoga and teaching indoor cycling. I enjoyed that, but I also wanted to work with um, clients one-on-one -on -one and really impact their lives on a personal level. So then you move into working one-on-one -on -one with clients. Um, what was the difference for you between leading classes and working one-on-one -on -one with a client? Like what, what the outcomes and, and the experiences, how were those different for you as, as, the, as the instructor i.e. or the trainer? Probably when I'm leading classes, I'm, I'm saying things, but I don't know how they're being received. And when I'm working with a client, I'm asking them what they're thinking and feeling and how that's affecting their behavior. So I'm not just seeing behavior. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the beliefs behind the behavior. So you're getting that immediate feedback um, not just, you know, mechanical and not just, you know, the, the movements, but the mindset and kind of the beliefs and, and, and things that are behind working out and doing exercise. So, okay, now you're working with, with clients on fitness and kind of more muscular and, um, you know, mechanical things. What led you to go the health coach route? I think I'm just really drawn to the mindset aspect, uh, like I said, behind every behavior is a belief. And I just realized that I think my purpose of being here on earth is to help other women believe bigger for themselves, like to just to step out and, and do something for themselves. Being a health coach, I can go further into their, their limiting beliefs, like what's holding them back. Now, what would you say you hear the most? I know for me, when I would work as a personal trainer and a health coach, and I would hear a lot of, oh, I could never do that. Do you, do you hear clients will tell you like, in, when you talk about setting goals and um, 
I never, I never ran a marathon. I've run half marathons. And when I, if I, if I would mention, you know, running or things like this, oh, I could never be a runner. Oh, I could never do this. Uh, I could never, I could never run 13 miles. So as a health coach, your job is to kind of get to the root of what makes you say, what makes you believe that you could never do this? What evidence do you have? What, what experience do you have to back this up, right? So can you walk us through a little bit of the process that um, you would go through with a client who, who maybe has this, who says this to you, um, you know, if you're talking about some kind of athletic goal and they say, oh, I could never do this, then, you know, what do you do? I do have a, a bit of a three-part framework that I help people uh, through. It starts with just helping people discover what they want and and just imagining if if what do you want if you believe that you could do anything. It's true that so many people say, "Oh, I could never do that," and they have that limiting belief. So just take off that filter and suppose that anything was possible what would you want to do and start with the end in mind if if you had a year to live what would you want to do in that year or maybe you you're looking at your life you're pretending you're an old person looking back at your life what would you want it to have accomplished the first step is to see it um, and create a compelling vision of who you want to be and then you have that big picture vision, and then you have to break it down into smaller pieces, writing down those that those goals and desires and keeping them visible as part of the see it. And I'm also a big believer in vision boards, and I create one for every year and just putting images of what I want to be or accomplish. That power of visualization, I think a lot of times we set goals because we think that they are going to give us a certain feeling. We'll feel accomplished or feel confident when we reach that goal, but we can start feeling those things right now. If you just visualize how you would feel when you reach that goal and what other accomplishments, have, how did you feel when you reached those other accomplishments? You can start to feel that and that will inspire further action. I just wanted to, to add in, you can't see it because it's behind my monitor, but I have a vision board and I, I also oh. make one every year because I believe in the power of seeing yourself in the future, having done the things that you want to do, because this, your brain doesn't know the difference between things that have happened and things that haven't happened. And if you tell it often enough, look, this is our life where, and I do have, I won't show you, but it, I do have a runner. I have a, I have like a professional runner because my goal is to run a marathon. Uh, didn't, it's not going to happen this year, but you know, it's on the, it's on the board. It'll happen at some point, but visualizing yourself as the person that you want to be helps trigger those things in your brain to say, okay, this is where we're going. How do we start acting like that person? What does that person do? How does believing that we can accomplish this shape our behaviors on a on a regular basis exactly but there is so much science behind the the the, the, the tactic of you know the strategy of visualization and kind of tricking your brain into believing oh yeah this this is happening get on board mm -hmm. get on the bus because we're you know next stop you know achieving this goal 
Um, do you ever feel like when you ask clients to do this, you get pushback? Are they like, mm, sounds a little ridiculous. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I gave a, a client some homework to do this and that was a few weeks ago. She still hasn't come back to me with it. I, I don't know why it's so hard. I think, uh, I think it's scary uh, for people to set a goal. And when you say something out loud, then I guess people are worried, what if it doesn't happen? Then I will feel like a failure. Um, what, if I, what if I sound stupid? What if I say this and the person I say it to knows I can't do it? Like mm -hmm. they, what if, you know, it's that doubt, that, mm -hmm. that fear that, you know, if I say it out loud, everyone's going <laughs> to, I'm going to hear how ridiculous it is if I say it out loud. So it's safer and it's easier to just stay in this place of that's out of the question for me. It's not, it's not possible. Um, instead of kind of taking that risk. Right. And so I think it is important to share those big dreams and goals and those scary things with a select group of people, people that you trust, and maybe you don't advertise it to the world. <laughs> but uh, just be ha having a space to hold hope, I think is really important. And that's, that's the role of a health coach, right? That's something that a health coach can do because they are there to help you see potential, help mm -hmm. you like kind of guide that path to where you want to go, right? So a lot of people may come to you and have a goal and say, okay, I know I want to do this or I'm thinking about doing this, but they have no idea how to get there, right? So you kind of provide mm -hmm. that GPS and you're like, okay, step one would be this, step two will be this, right? So that you kind mm -hmm. of are, are there like a Sherpa, if you will you know, right. to, to the goal. You're like a goal Sherpa. <laughs> and a lot of times it is easier to believe in somebody else and to share that belief than it is for us to believe in, in ourselves. Absolutely. And so sometimes it just takes another person to give us a little nudge. <laughs> okay, so that's step one. So visualization and kind of like starting with the end in mind and working backwards. Mm -hmm. um, so step two would be to believe it. Uh, so if you've seen it, now you're starting to believe it. I'm a proponent of women calling themselves athletes. And I also get a lot of pushback with that. Um, people who run, they say, I run sometimes. Um, but how you, how you call yourself is going to influence your behavior. For example, in business, if I if I say I'm the CEO, I'm going to behave a lot differently than if I say I just kind of have this little side business. I just work sometimes. here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so identity-based decisions, is that right. what you're referring to? Or identity-based mm -hmm. behavior? Yeah. So as your, and as your behavior starts to change, it then bolsters that belief and it's an upward spiral. So it's kind of like a, a self-propelling machine at that point, right? You believe it, you do it, you believe it, you know, it kind of, kind of helps propel you further. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe you have to compete to be an athlete. You don't have to have a certain level of skill to be an athlete, but if you say you're an athlete, you're going to start to act like it. You're going to fuel 
a certain way, you're going to get enough sleep, you're going to treat your body differently than if you sometimes do athletic things. That makes a lot of sense, right? So you're starting to act like an athlete. So if you think about like Michael Phelps, like how, what does Michael Phelps do on a daily basis, right? And he trains, he fuels his body, he gets proper rest, all these things. If he doesn't do these things, he doesn't perform, right? So we're starting to kind of get into the mindset of what an athlete does, how an athlete behaves, and how an athlete treats themselves and cares for themselves in order to maximize their performance. And it can be little things uh, like last week or two weeks ago, I talked to Olympic athlete Elizabeth Meyer. She's a skeleton athlete training for um, the Olympics next year. And she was saying just the, the process of making sure she's hydrating enough and um, she's monitoring her, her weightlifting and, and just seeing those small progressions of the improvement just those little actions make um, has increased her confidence. So that works for Olympic athletes, but it also works for everyday athletes. <laughs> and so and then another aspect of the believe it step is silencing that inner critic. So one saying, oh, you can't do this. You're not good enough. Um, so I have clients recognize those negative thoughts as they're coming in Um, because a lot of times they're sneaky and we don't even know that that they're inhibiting us so maybe it's just journaling uh, when you start to hear that thought and then once you start to be able to recognize it then you can replace it with truth you ask yourself is this true is it helpful and if it's not you replace it with uh, a true and a helpful thought and repeat that positive thought over and over and over until it becomes a habit and I'm a big believer in affirmation I know it so it feels awkward sometimes if you're looking in the mirror saying I'm good enough I'm smart enough nothing gosh gosh, darn darn it people like me (laughs) (laughs) Um, that is awkward yes I agree (laughs) but there there's ways to do it that don't feel so awkward and Again, with science, there's proven research that shows um, the TED Talk by Amy Cuddy about power poses and fake it till you make it. But just the, the act of like putting your arms over your head or putting your hands on your hips, put, pushing out your chest and lifting your head. Um, if you hold that for two minutes, it affects your body physiology and it pumps dopamine into your system and you're starting to feel better. Didn't they do that on Kimmy Schmidt? Wasn't that one of the episodes where they went into an office and they just, her and Titus, and just, they just held power poses like over and over. They were trying to intimidate somebody. You just reminded me of that. (laughs) I haven't seen that, but I would like to. (laughs) I will send you the link. I will send you a clip. So, but that is, that's a really good point. I wanted to go back to what you just said about Oh, the negative thoughts. So two things about negative thoughts, right? Do you find that your clients are surprised by when when they identify, hey, I have this loop of negative self-talk. Every time I talk about, every time I think about achieving this goal, there's this, I get this string of thoughts. 
And I didn't even notice it before, but now that you've had me kind of identify it and, and, and you've pointed it out, it's so obvious to me that I've been kind of talking myself out of doing things. Like, are your clients ever surprised by this? Like, is it a revelation that this is happening? Um, you can say no. <laughs> well, I think I, at least um, some specific people I'm thinking about, they, they knew it was there. I guess they didn't realize how much of an effect it had on them and how taking that away, how much more confident and more positive they could be without that chatter going on. I, I say that because I've, I've had clients say to me, like, I didn't even realize I was doing this to myself. Like I didn't, it didn't even, it was just so much of an ingrained habit to kind of talk myself out of it for whatever reason that I didn't even know I was doing it. Mm -hmm. And then they also didn't know the, the impact it would have to start, you know, breaking that loop and reprogramming themselves with, with positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. So this is, is that, sorry, were we on the second, was that the second step? So the second step is believe it. And then the third is to act on it. Once you're starting to uh, believe in yourself as an athlete or as whatever it is that you want to be, then you're starting to do those consistent actions and even those tiny habits. I, I'm a big fan of uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. The, a habit takes the decision-making out of, and that mental fatigue out of your day. So if you just decide, I, I'm going to work out, I'm an athlete, I'm, I'm going to exercise five days a week. Uh, you can start small. You, you can have a big goal, but do small actions to get there. That, that's how the Olympic athletes do it. And that's how we can do it. And I think people think, oh, if I, if I set a goal, that means I'm going to have to work out for hours every day. One client, I started out with a 30 second plank per day. It's just about building that habit. And then once you start to see that progress, that leads to improvement and that enhances the enjoyment and again, the upward spiral. Can we yeah. talk for a second about the, the mental, uh, the mental energy that goes into making all the decisions that you make, right? So when you have a habit, it stops being a decision you make, right? It's just something you do on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, before you've get before you've developed that habit, you're having to choose, okay, I need to, I need to put on my workout clothes. Okay. Now I need to go to the gym. Okay. Now I need to get on, you know, the, the treadmill for 25 minutes, or I need to get on the bike or I need to like, what do they call that ego depletion where it's like, at some point you just, you run out, you run out of that ability to make these small decisions. So by developing that habit, you don't even have to think about it. It just happens and it's easy. And you get to save that mental energy for other stuff. Exactly. And I don't know if people hear habit and they think that's boring, but 
I talked earlier about the Peloton app and I'm, they don't pay me, but I'm just a huge fan. Uh, so I just decided I'll do 20 minutes of strength every day. And I, that's a habit and that's like what I do every day, but it doesn't have to be the same strength routine every day. So it never gets boring because I'm doing different things, but I'm still committed to doing that thing every day. So you're taking the action, but it's a different action. You know, it's you're yeah. mixing it up and keeping it fun. That's important, mm -hmm. right? Because I think a lot of people do kind of equate, you know, repetitive action with boredom. Right. Falling off the wagon, the exercise wagon, I did air quotes for that. Falling mm -hmm. off the exercise wagon and then, you know, having to build up the energy to start all over again. I think a lot of people get in that cycle. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be working out at home. It could be going, some people are more motivated to go to a gym, go to a class, um, meet up with a friend. Um, you have to know yourself and what, what motivates you and like gets you going. Mm -hmm. And is that something I, that you work with your clients to identify so that they know, listen, if I'm going to be successful in doing, you know, developing this habit to exercise or move myself every day, what do I need? What works for me? Right. I do. And it's, everybody's different. Some people want to follow along to a video and not have to think about it. Other people want just to do their set exercises and by themselves and not have anybody talking to them. So yeah, it's just working within. Yeah. Sign me up for that. Yes. Leave me in the corner with my weights and nobody talk to me. Yes. Please. And thank you. That would be great. So those are the three, basically the three phases of your program. So my program is 12 weeks and uh we have basically 12 different topics so it, that framework doesn't necessarily align with my program but it's kind of the progression so you're kind of working through it's not necessarily like a phase one phase two and phase three where it's a set time so with health coaching for people who don't know when you're working with a health coach one-on-one -on -one, it is a client-led journey right so you, you work mm -hmm. a lot with the client to, to kind of go where the client leads you in terms of what they need and um, what they want to accomplish. So working with clients for you looks different. Even though you have a framework and you have the things that you touch on, every client program looks different, has a different outcome. I imagine that they have different goals, even though they're all, you know, looking to achieve some kind of athletic goal they look different. They're not all about running a marathon. They don't all want to become power lifters, right? So they have different um, play, things that they want to achieve. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I love uh, working with clients and getting to see them just making progress and just making little breakthroughs, starting to believe in themselves and um, step out of their comfort zones uh, in in small ways, so example is one client didn't doesn't feel comfortable running without her technology, and so my assignment I give them give her homework every time every after every session, and um, so the homework to overcome that is just go out for a run for an hour, and doesn't matter your speed, your pace, your heart rate, just go enjoy running and. I've been that client. I'll tell you, I used to be, if I didn't have headphones and I didn't have my Garmin running, like my run was not happening. 
If I didn't have, if I wasn't plugged in, there was no way it could happen until one day I went out, my Garmin died, my headphones, which are rechargeable, died. And I was already like, um, you know, half a mile out into my out and back run. And I was like, well, now it doesn't even count. So why bother? <laughs> I mean, that was literally the thought I had. It was, it was kind of embarrassing looking back. And I'm like, how did I even get to the point where I was like, if it doesn't, if I can't count the steps or the miles or know how fast I'm going, how does how does it not count? Of course it counts. Every, every bit counts. So mm -hmm. I had, I had to do a, you know, an unplugged run and I was like, wow, this is a completely different experience. I feel so in touch with like what's happening around me, what's happening in me, like the feelings and sensations of running. Some of them are good. Some of them are not that good. Um, but you know, it really helped me kind of tap into that, that connection to, to pace myself without the the external input of, you know, how, what I should be doing in my workout. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just helping people find the joy in what they're doing is, um, brings me great joy. All right, Carrie, we're going to start to wrap up here, but what I like to do at the end of each episode is have my guests, um, provide three tips or actionable items for the audience. So give me what you got. So one, it comes from my, uh, coach, that I worked with um, when I was training for the Xterra World Championships. She won that race in 2018 where I was in Maui also. And she and her husband wrote a book called The Brave Athlete. And they talk about uh, a tactic called the alter ego. And if you're having a hard time believing in yourself, you can use the power of pretending. Kids are really good at this, but as adults, we, um, struggle a little bit you take a persona of somebody that you would like to emulate uh, for her it's patty mcginty who is like a, a boxer a scottish fighter uh, for me it was a world war ii um hero of the movie unbroken and so when i'm in a situation when i don't i'm not believing in myself and believing i could do it i pretend that i and i maybe this happens when you go work out, you're not feeling it, but you put on that identity, put on whatever clothes that put you in that mentality, that alter ego. And um, so that can help if you're struggling with believing in yourself. Uh, a second thing is just to watch your fearometer, just noticing how much fear is uh, playing a part in your life, uh, give it a scale one to 10, how much that fear is um, affecting your actions. And I believe courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to do it scared. So um, I like to have my clients write out a letter to fear and um, to see how it's not been serving them. And um, to see how they can start to do things differently. And finally, oh, I have so many different ones, it's hard to narrow it down. <laughs> so the third one I would say would be to uncover your why. Motivation ebbs and flows and we don't always feel like doing what we know we're supposed to do. But if you're constantly knowing 
why you're doing what you're doing, maybe something outside of yourself. If you have kids and you want to be around for them when they are older and you want to be active uh, with your friends and family, that might be your why. I don't know what your why is, but I would say avoid things like guilt, shame, self-loathing, vanity, like those motivations are not going to continue to propel you forward if you're you're hating yourself and you're trying to push yourself into something out of of that self-hatred or loathing do it because you love yourself and you want to make yourself better well carrie thank you so much for joining us today i absolutely love your message and everything that you're about and you have shared so much valuable information with us today about setting and reaching athletic goals and building confidence. So we thank you. Um, everybody, you can find Carrie at her website at carriejoebradley.com. And I'll be linking to her freebie, which is a, um, a download. What if you could set a goal and actually stick to it? And it's all about setting smart goals with your health and your fitness. So, Carrie, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a blast. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. And if you liked this episode, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Check out our show notes for this episode where you can find any of the links and resources that were mentioned during the show and connect with a health and wellness provider committed to helping you ditch diets and achieve results without restriction. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.